0: Welcome all of the campuses, all of you joining us online. Those of you, men and women, at the Orleans Justice Center, St. Tammany Parish Jail, we're so glad to have you with us this weekend. In fact, why don't we do this? Uh, let's, on the count of three, wish one another a Merry Christmas and a big old Happy New Year. Can we do that together on the count of three? You ready? All the campuses, one, two, three. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And now give us some love. Put your hand together. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, it's so great to be with you guys this weekend. Excited about the holidays, excited about this message, excited about what God's doing, the new year, all of those things. How many of you guys had a great uh, Christmas time with your family and friends? What a great week. It was so awesome. Yep. All, last night was pretty good, too. We had a good, uh, good blowout over there in the, in the football championship playoff. That was awesome. Yep. Come on. Go Tigers. Amen. Good things happening, you know, the holidays are so fun, I love it. It's I grew up in a really big family and so I have so many memories, uh, just great memories attached to the holidays and so many great traditions that we enjoyed. In fact, one of the things we did uh, in my family growing up, I'm one of seven kids, And so between my mom and dad, the seven kids and all their spouses, 20, I think, four or five grandkids and 14 or 15 great grandkids, we have a tradition where every time a new child is brought into the family, a new person, we make, they hand make a stocking for them and and they hang them all up at my mom's house in upstate New York up in the Catskills. And so I have a picture of what that looks like after you get about 50 plus stockings going. Do we have that? Yeah, check this out. Can we put it up on the big screen for them? Look at this. Can we do that? Yeah, look at that. Now that, that is something. That's in my mom's house, literally. I mean, no joke, that's really uh, there. So it can get overwhelming. How many of you know when there's 50-something people, to, it can be overwhelming. In fact, I, heard a story, I read a story this week about a, a grandfather, a guy uh, who had gotten, apparently, to this stage uh, in his family. And so he decided one year, it was just too much to keep up with. So he wrote everybody, all the family's Christmas cards, and, and he was going to put a check in there and just write, you know, buy your own gifts. And just to kind of, you know, come on, grandparents, y'all know what I'm talking about. It gets, a, it gets crazy after a while. And uh, so anyway, a few weeks went by. I was getting close to Christmas, and he hadn't, he hadn't heard from any of his kids or family uh, And, you know, it was getting close. And so he thought, you know what, I wonder what's going on. So he went to his office. He was going to write a note to one of his kids to just say, hey, what's happening? You know, what's going on? I haven't heard from any of you guys. And he's rummaging around on his desk, and he found the stack of checks that was supposed to be in the Christmas cards. He had just written them cards that said, buy your own gifts with no money in it. Isn't that terrible? Oh, man, it gets like that. But anyway... Uh, anyway, I thought that was hilarious. I, I, it, you know, the good news is it's done, it's over, another year, we'll, we'll go through it all again. It's so busy, but it's so much fun. And uh, the great thing is, is in just a few days, we'll be ringing in the new year, brand new year. And, I, and, and the, the wonderful thing about that is just the, the, the potential that comes with a clean slate, a fresh start. And I know everybody's been getting ready, you know, kind of thinking through what are my dr- goals gonna be or reading all the blogs about how to accomplish your goals and reading the books and, and you know, inter- looking at all the different resources out there, available life plans and stuff, just to make sure, you know, that 2020 is a great year. And I wanna say this uh, up front. I was thinking about this yesterday and uh, in, in this past week as we were getting ready for the message that uh, this, this year is really unique in a f- number of ways, but, but in the Bible, the number 20 is the number for completion. And there's a few places in the scripture where we see that, but I, I wanna just encourage you that uh, in, in, a, in a year of completion, it means you're closing one season and entering another. You're transitioning from one season of your life to another as God completes the work that he's begun in you. I believe as a church, uh we're enter- we're seeing that we've celebrated our twentieth anniversary. Uh, I think that as as we enter into the year 2020, it's a real sign from the, it's a real message from the lord that there's some transition coming that it's good there's it, he's completing he's closing the book, closing the chapter uh, on on some things that are going on in our lives and that should be encouraging to many of you but also uh, the 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 number twenty twenty is a number, my wife reminded me of this yesterday, it's a number that represents clarity, perfect vision. And I do believe that in many of your lives, God is gonna bring clarity like never before in terms of purpose, vision, direction path and you've been seeking answers and looking for answers And 2020 is a year that God's going to bring some real clarity uh, to you and your family and to us as a church family and so so excited about this next year as we prepare for all that God has for us and that, that's my prayer for you this weekend that as we talk about the, the living word and I'm this message that I'm going to share with you just for a few minutes today uh, is about building your life on the foundation of God's living word and and a, and a, assimilating and receiving the power and the blessing of a life that's built on the foundation of God's word and that as you enter into a new year that you won't be swayed by the winds, the storms, the things that come at you, but your life will be firmly built on God's word and on his plan uh, for your life. And you know, as I mentioned before, there's so many things that we do at this time of the year to get ready for the new year. And the, the thing though, that always concerns me is with all our planning and all of our strategies and all of our goal setting is how do we know if we're doing it right? How do you, know, how do you really know that you're approaching it in the right way, that you're, that you're moving in the right direction? I mean, you think about it, you know, in a few days, next week, uh, the gyms are gonna be full. You're gonna see people in the gyms you've never seen before. There are going to be people, be people in the gym that didn't even know where the gym was before that. And, uh, and they're going to be in there. And, you know, when you go to the gym, there's always that one guy, especially when it's full, and there's a lot of people, there's always that one guy that's just kind of making it up as he goes. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He's upside down in the equipment, you know, and he's like making a lot of noise and racket, and he's, you know, he's cr- and it's, you know it's weird. And, and you can tell both by, from the results that he just doesn't know what he's doing. But man, he is working hard. Are you with me? Y'all know who I'm talking about? If you're that guy, just everybody around knows you're the guy. So anyway, anyway, uh, it, I think a lot of times we, we fall into that. We, I think a lot of times we can be like the guy at the gym who's working hard, but we don't really know what we're doing. And we're not sure if what we're building is going to last. And the way we're approaching our lives is really the right way to do it. And, and we find ourselves looking to sources and other people who are making it up as they go too. You with me? And, and, and nobody's really sure about, about our approach uh, to our life, but the good news is that we don't have to live like that. You may have thought, you may never have thought of it in these terms, but when we approach life in this way, when we just kind of try to make it up as we go, when we find ourselves going around and around in circles and not ever really finding the results, re- accomplishing or, or realizing the results that we want in our lives, we're really inflicting a form of self-abuse on ourselves. It's a, it's a you know when you think about it that's abuse sounds like a strong term but really the word abuse just is a compound word from abnormal use. It's any time abuse happens any time you use a an inanimate object or another person or yourself in a manner that's inconsistent with its intended purpose or design. Abuse happens any time you use an object a person yourself in a manner that's inconsistent with its intended purpose or design so let me drop this on you if you want to know the purpose of a thing you don't ask the thing you ask its creator you with me let me say that again okay yeah that's good you're going to want to write this down so i'm going to say it again if you want to know the purpose of a thing You don't ask the thing, you ask its creator. That Roomba you got for Christmas, you don't ask the Roomba, hey Roomba, how do you work? You you open the owner's manual or you click on that QR code that came on the box and you go to the website and you watch the video that was put there by the the manufacturer, by the designer of that product that tells you exactly how to get the most out of that Roomba, right? You don't just try, you don't go online and find some hack that, that you know, is making it up as he goes and, and it has all these hacks and stuff. Look, they may work for a minute, but eventually it's going to break the thing. Eventually it's going to, because it's being used in a manner that's inconsistent than it was what it was designed for, it's going to eventually fail. And, and, I, and I, you think about this, uh, I love this analogy of trying to use a, a screwdriver for a hammer to drive a nail. You can do it. If you get a heavy enough screwdriver, you can drive a nail with it. But having you know, screwdrivers were not designed to drive nails, right? So eventually, it's going to fail because it wasn't made for that. So don't approach your life like that, right? I'm a DIYer. I love doing things myself. Many of you guys know, and I've talked about it a little bit. I love working on cars with my sons, and we build things. And I'm, I just finished remodeling a bathroom at my house. I just love, I love putting my hands on things. I love that. And so I'm always... Researching and learning and finding new ways, better techniques, improving my craft uh, in all the different things that I like to do, and uh, so I find myself on YouTube a lot. And one of the sensations on YouTube are fail videos. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know where things just go catastrophically wrong, and somebody suddenly is flying through the air and or whatever, you know, skiing off a roof or something, and and things it. it and, or they're riding a unicycle, crashing downstairs and flipping into the ocean, or something crazy is happening, you know, and, and people love them. and I find myself sucked into them sometimes. The one thing about, about fail videos is that all of them have in common is somebody is using either a thing or a person or themselves in a manner that's inconsistent with how they were designed to be used, right? That's how we got there. That's not what that is for. Here's the good thing, the greatest news of all, though. You don't have to make it up as you go. You don't have to just fake it until you make it. You don't have to try to work things, hope things work out for the best, or or look to sources and resources of people who are making it up as they go as well. The creator of the universe, the God who wove our lives together intricately, uniquely has given us a handbook for life. It's called the Bible. And he gave it to us so that we would not have to make it up as we go. So we wouldn't have to abuse ourselves and others along the way. And he wouldn't have to look to other people for life and wisdom that are making it up as they go too. I love the Bible passage from Hebrews chapter four. The writer of Hebrews says this about the clarity of the direction that God's given us for our lives. Uh, when he's talking about the Bible, the scriptures, this is what he says. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit. Now, I'm gonna come back to that in a second. Both joint and marrow and able to judge even the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, he starts out by saying that God's word is living and active and sharper. And it's alive. And, and in other words, he's, this is what he's saying. The Bible is infinitely true in breadth and depth. The Bible is infinitely true in breadth and in depth. In other words, you can can scour the pages, you can dig through the pages of Scripture, you can read it and study it and devour it and never plumb the depths of it or reach the edges of its wisdom. You, you You can never get the full, in this finite existence, you can never get the full content of the pages of Scripture. Why? Because the Bible is infinite because it's alive and active. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that the Bible's going to suddenly animate like some movie and like a transformer and come to life and start walking around? No, it doesn't mean that. In fact, uh, fact, quite the opposite is true. Does it mean that it changes according to the situation because it's dynamic? No. Jesus even said the punctuation will never change. He said that my word will never pass away. It will never change. But what it does mean is that Is what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that as we invest God's word into our lives, the word actually goes to work inside of us, searching and revealing truth as it relates specifically to our lives and our circumstances and even our motivations. You could even say it like this. We don't really read the Bible. The Bible reads us. The Bible comes alive in us and it, and it works in us as the spirit of God moves upon it and it reveals the deepest recesses of who we are and, a, and relates it and applies it to the truth of the purposes of God's intentions as it relates to our lives specifically. Now, how is this even possible? The, the apostle John in, uh, in the gospel of John begins to describe the incarnation of Christ with this, these words, John chapter one, verse one. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and in other words, one of the roles that Jesus plays as the second person of the Trinity is the manifestation or the revelation of God's will. What Jesus does in, in part of his existence as God the son is he is the incarnation of the will of God. John says in John in John 1.1 that he is synonymous with the scripture. Jesus, the person of Christ, is synonymous with the scripture. That's why the Bible says that in, in what John's relating to is back in Genesis chapter 1 when he says, that in when God created the heavens and the earth, that he spoke and he said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so Jesus was present at creation as the manifestation, the known will of God. When God spoke, his will became known and that was the manifestation of the person of Christ. And the spirit of God was there enforcing, empowering God's words, causing them to come into existence, causing them to become real. Jesus is the revelation of God's will, and the Spirit of God is the power by which it's accomplished. And then later on in chapter 1, I and mean, we're not going to go there, but in chapter, verse 14 of chapter 1, John says this, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, the Word, the manifested words of God, and he's referring specifically to the Scriptures, the words of God took on flesh and came and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So, so, why is that so important? Why is it so important for us to approach, as this a starting point of our approach to the scriptures, to recognize that Jesus and the scriptures are synonymous? Well, if you approach God's Word, the Bible, with just as you would any other book, with your own understanding, your limited mind and faculties, uh, resources, you will only gain from it what you can receive from it, what your, what your limited ability, your limited mind, understanding, can open up to you. But when we approach the Bible as synonymous with Jesus, receive, we receive from it by faith as the revelation of the person of God himself and the spirit of God begins, just as he did in creation, begins to move on God's word, on his word in us, and reveal its depth and breadth. And it becomes life and power in us and infinite in us, just as the nature of God is. You see, when we when we receive Scripture as we would Jesus, it changes fundamentally our relationship to the Bible. Now, I I want you to hear what I'm about to say. This is so important because it's going to determine how you move forward in your relationship with Scripture. As children of God, with the Spirit of God in us, we do not relate to the Bible on the basis of our understanding. We relate to the Bible by faith through submission. Now, I wrote this down because I want to make sure that you get it. We receive and obey its words by faith as they are revealed to us by the the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples in John 6, verse 63, he's talking to them about the things that he's been teaching them. And this is what he says to them. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Now, what he's saying is it's the Spirit who breathes life to the words that I'm talking to you about he said in your flesh you'll get nothing out of it and I think many of us have been limited in in how we're building our lives based on the principles and precepts of scripture because we've not received it as the living word of God Jesus himself and allowed the spirit of God to bring life upon it and bring light bring practical application and life and in in the infinite nature of God to life in us as he reveals his word to us and through us When I was born again, uh, there was a, there was a, you know, many of you guys know, I, I was raised in a great Christian home, godly mom and dad, who helped us to not only read the scriptures, but memorize the Bible. We would sit at the table together and read the Bible and talk about what it meant. When before I could read, I, I remember at two, three years old, my mom reading the scriptures to, the, to us, and then we would recite them back to her. So before we could actually read, we were memorizing the scripture and And you know my story I, I didn't I didn't receive Christ. I wasn't born again until I was a young adult at twenty one uh, in the army and uh, but for over most of my life, the word of the words of God had been invested into me by my parents. And when I was born again, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, breathed life into all of that word that had been invested and injected into my spirit, and it came to life and exploded. It exploded in me, and it began to produce the life of God, and I was transformed. I, tra- I was transformed, and there were behavior things that were immediately addressed. There was an understanding of spiritual things in the kingdom of God that came to life in me instantly, because all of that life all of that word came to life and I instinctively and immediately responded to it in faith and recognized that my only job in that moment was not to evaluate it and try to measure it and decide what I was gonna do with it, but it was simply to submit to it and receive it by faith as I did the person of Christ in salvation. When we open our hearts to Christ, now, you may be thinking this, Pastor David, you were raised, in, I was not raised in a Christian home, and, and so I, I didn't have that advantage. I didn't have the Bible in me, and many of you probably did not when you were born again. But I want to just assure you, one minute in the Scripture, in the presence of God, as you approach it in faith and submit your life to it, the Holy Spirit can bring life to it and transform you in a second. Amen? When we open our hearts to Christ for salvation, we simultaneously open our lives to his word as the owner's manual, and we discover how God has designed our lives to be best lived in relationship with him. And as the Holy Spirit in us through the pages of scripture guides us into truth, we can experience our best life. Now, I wanna just say this, and we're gonna get into the, 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 the real practical part of this message. Um, there's a lot in culture right now about living your best life. You know, you see it all over social media. You, you know, you go on Instagram and somebody's got a picture of their breakfast and you know, living my best life or you know, they're on a beach somewhere, my best life. And, which is good, those are all good things. I love them, it's great. But um, I, I think, just me, I, I think that probably my best life in God is more than avocado toast. <laughs> I mean, avocado toast is awesome. But I would like to think that it has something to do along the lines of, of storming the gates of hell, maybe plundering hell. It probably has something to do with rescuing people from darkness and helping bring them into a relationship with Christ. Amen. So what is the difference? How do we do, how, what, what is it that causes us to be able to build our best life versus just having a, doing a lot of work? And spinning our wheels and finding ourselves going in circles, doing the same things over and over and, 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 and having the same results, expecting something different. But they never really come to a place where they're, they're, our lives are changing and becoming effective in God's kingdom. Well, Jesus talked about this in uh, Luke, in the, the Luke's gospel. Uh, he said in, ver- chapter six of verse, uh, in chapter 6 beginning in verse 46, Jesus said to this, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them is like a man building a house He says, acts on them. I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house. He digs down deep and lays a foundation on the rock. And when the flood comes, the the torrent bursts against the house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who heard and has not acted accordingly, he's like a man who built his house on the ground with no foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of the house was great. Now in South Louisiana, and along the Gulf Coast, we know a little something about foundations. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I was at the West Esplanade campus this week watching the progress. Come on, South where it's coming and they're driving pilings you know and and that's what we do down here we there's nothing firm on the surface so you got to dig down you got to get way 70 80 90 feet down there until you hit something that sticks you with me because otherwise you know what the deal is you build a house that doesn't have that type of foundation it's just going to fall apart It's gonna crack and it's gonna go away. And and, and that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. But I wanna point something out to you. In this passage, Jesus talks about people who build their house on the foundation of his word through obedience and submission to his word and those that don't. But he does not differentiate between the amount of effort or attention to detail or the intentions of their heart. Those people who build their houses on the sand... Without God's word as the, as the building blocks, as the foundation of their life, they're working just as hard. They're paying just as much. Matter of fact, many times I think probably working harder, paying as much attention to detail with the best of intentions. The only difference was one person was living in obedience and submission to his word and the other was not. The houses look the same on the outside. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of lives that are looking really good on the outside. But inside, there, it's just waiting for a storm, and it's waiting, it's, and it's imminent. The storm's going to come. It's not a matter of when, it's if. I mean, if, It's not if, it's when. Storm's coming. Jesus is saying that the key to a life that will stand in is obedience and submission to his living word. The Apostle Paul gives us a very clear and practical look at how to build our life on God's word in 2 Timothy. So let's take the rest of our time together to talk about practically what does it look like, <clears throat> excuse me, to build a, a life on God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, this is what the Apostle Paul writes to his son in the Lord. He says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God and by the way, this word man in the Greek is actually the word anthropos. It's general neutral. It means man or woman. It's person uh, of God. May be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. <clears throat> for every good work. So in this passage, we see that how to build our lives on the Scripture. And the first thing that Paul mentions uh, in, in the beginning of the passage is that the Scripture is given by inspiration and, and is also profitable for doctrine. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 16 says, the Bible is inspired by God. Why is that so important? Why is it so important to, to receive, to accept the fact that God's word, the scriptures are inspired by God? Well, if we don't receive them by faith, if we don't receive them as the words of God, we, have, we are compelled to pick and choose what we're going to believe. What parts are inspired and what parts are not? And, and how do you know? How do you know what to pick? Is it just the parts you like? Is it just the parts you don't like? I mean, because listen, let me just tell you, there's a lot of stuff in there that that is offensive. It hurts my feelings. You ever been there? You know, you're reading them and you're just like, why is that in there? God's word is inspired by God. And and the fact is, is that it is our divine source of truth. God's word, the Bible is God's word and therefore it is our absolute source of truth. Jesus, the apostles, and the Old Testament prophets all affirmed God's, the, the authority of God's word as a source of absolute truth. Paul also goes on to say that the Bible's profitable for doctrine. Doctrines are just, I know that's a theological word, we don't use it a whole lot, but really, very practically speaking, the definition of doctrine is really the practical application of truth, especially, specifically as it applies to your faith. In other words, it, it's not complicated, it's just, it these are the truths of, God's, of of the kingdom of God that are the building blocks of our faith. That's what a doctrine is. And, and th- th- here's the point. Here's the, the reason that's so important. Most of us come to Christ from m- many, many different points of view or perspectives. In fact, every one of us would probably say, before we came to Christ, we came to a moment in our lives when we realized that the way that we thought and processed and went through our decision-making processes are are not resulting in the, what we want, right? Life is not coming together the way we want. It. That's why we come to Christ. Otherwise, we would never come to faith. We wouldn't need to. If everything was working the way we wanted it to, we would not need God, amen? But at some point, every one of us came to the conclusion that our ways of thinking and living and doing and deciding and processing were not adding up to the life that we wanted, and so we, when we come to the Bible, when we turn to the Scripture, we recognize that, that there are things about who we are, about who we've become, about the way that we live our lives, the grid that we see life through, our perspective that is inaccurate And the Bible is the source of truth that addresses those thoughts. And if you think about it in the the number of different thought patterns that you have in your life that are not life-giving, they're not producing the life of God. You think about things like, I'll never amount to anything or I'll never overcome this addiction. I'll never have a healthy relationship. I'm gonna be just like my mom or just like my dad or whoever it is that, that seems to be the conflict there. Those thoughts, as you begin to devour and invest and allow the word of God to seep into every part of your life, those thoughts begin to be replaced i can do all things through christ who strengthens me i am more than a conqueror it is i am uniquely and and specifically designed by god for good works that were created beforehand that i might walk in them i'm his workmanship my life was fashioned together in my mother's womb before one day of my life was god had written them all of in his book my life is in god's hands and so you begin, to, you begin to replace those thoughts of despair and hopelessness and fear and doubt with the, with the life and the light of God's truth as we find it in scripture. And we become more like Christ. We become more like him. The life of God, that eternal, infinite life of God as it is breathed upon by the spirit of God in us becomes life and breath and hope to us. Number two, the Bible exposes our intentional sins and our unintentional mistakes. Now, there's another thing that happens as we expose our lives to the scripture. The Bible, Paul says in verse 16 that all scripture is given not only by inspiration profitable for doctrine, but it's also profitable for reproof and for correction. Now, these are two different words that mean really two different things. And a lot of times we lump them together. Reproof is really um, a word that, that, that talks about bringing us to truth. And, and what that speaks of are God's commandments. And it identifies in our life things that are specifically sinful and harmful in our relationship with God. And primarily I'm talking about God's moral law, you know, the big ten. You know what I'm saying? Don't have any other gods before me. Don't sleep with anybody that you're not married to that's not your spouse, right, husband or wife. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You with me? And, and we, we identify with those, we know those most of the time. But here's the thing that I think we miss sometimes. God is not some cosmic killjoy, this big, you know, fuddy-duddy in the sky that's really just trying to steal our joy and spoil our fun. You know what I'm saying? Every single commandment of scripture that relates to sin is there because God in our, because remember, he's the creator, He wrote the owner's manual. He understands how we're designed best to to live in our best life. He knows that every one of those behaviors has a consequence that is detrimental and destructive. If you do this, bad stuff's going to happen. If you want a healthy marriage, tell the truth and don't sleep with anybody or even look at someone lustfully that's not your spouse. Are you with me? All those things, all those commandments that are related specifically to sin have consequences, natural consequences that are destructive to us. But the second thing that Paul says is there that the scripture is good for not just reproof but correction. This word really means more like adjustments, subtle adjustments along the way. And this is where the scripture is valuable in bringing wisdom into our life. It's the things that we're not really aware that were harmful or dangerous. It's just habits that we've picked up. It's they're not inherently sinful necessarily, but they're they're harmful. They're not they're not producing life. They're not yielding the fruit of righteousness in our lives. It's just stuff that we do. I remember when I was a little kid, I was probably eight or nine years old. I was uh, spending the summer with my sister in Texas. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was a kid. How many of you know little boys just do dumb things? There's no explanation for it. We're just stupid, okay? So anyway, I was standing in the living room, and I wasn't even watching TV I was just standing in front of the TV, turning the TV on and off. Now back then they didn't have remote controls; you actually had to flip a switch to turn it. Everybody remember who remembers that? If you're over 40, yeah, yeah. Mm. And when you turned it on, there was a tube and it went boom and warmed up. Remember that? It took a minute for the picture to come. Yeah. So I'm standing there in the living room. Uh, This is so funny. Clicking the TV on it. Boom. Boom. Click. Boom. Click. Boom. Click. Boom. Click. Boom. I don't know how long I was doing that, but apparently it was a while. And my brother-in-law finally sticks his head out. I hear his voice from the end of the hallway go, David, are you trying to blow up the television? Uh, no. I didn't even realize it. And let, and let me just say, I think a lot of times in our lives we do things. We're just standing there clicking the TV on and off. There's habits that we have. They're just not wise. They're not evil. They're just dumb. You with me? And we all have them. Don't elbow the guy next to the person next to you. You got one. What the Bible does is it's, it's, it's a source of wisdom for us that helps us to identify those things that are, that are not sin, but they're just not wise. It is God's source of wisdom for us. But you don't get that from the surface. You get that when the Holy Spirit is bringing it to life in you as it specifically relates to things that are going on in you. It's our source of truth It exposes the things in our lives that are not life-giving and they're sinful. But but the other thing that it does is that, number three, the Bible trains us to live God's way. You know, how many of you know there is a way that God's designed us to live, to truly experience our best life? And, and and as the, Paul, the Apostle Paul concludes this passage that we're looking at today in, in a verse, the end of verse 16, verse 17, it says, Scripture is giving to us for instruction in righteousness. R- righteousness is the acts of God. It's the behavior of a kingdom person. That, that the man of, or woman of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, there's an old saying that says, God moves in mysterious ways. How many of you heard that? God moves in mysterious ways? Yeah. Yeah, here's the truth. That's not in the Bible. It's in the second hesitations or something like that. You know, <laughs> that's not a verse. And here's, the, here's my point. God's ways are not mysterious. Now they're not the same as ours, but they're clear in scripture. When we, when we allow God's word to take the place of rulership in our lives, the person of Christ, when we see it as the synonymous with the person of Christ. We submit our lives to it. The ways of God become very clear in it. Because let me let you in a little secret. We're the ones with the weird, goofy ways, not God. His are very explainable. Now, we won't understand them all in this life. I I can receive that. and And I understand that. But the fact is, is that this word, as we are trained by it, will produce in every area of our life, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And that really is what we want, isn't it? Every subject, the Bible is the ultimate authority on every subject, every question, even spe- even questions that are not specifically addressed, like who should I marry? Bible may not say the person's name you're gonna marry, right? But it'll tell you what to look for in a godly spouse. It may not say, who do I need as a mentor? And they have their name, but it will say, what do I look like in a person? How do I know when a person's life has the fruit of righteousness that I want in my life? What about your career? Man, it'll help you understand how you're wired, your giftedness, your bent, your, your tendencies that are given to you by God. It'll help you understand all those things, all of the issues of life. I've been reading the Bible faithfully for over 30 years now, and, 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 I, can, and I can tell you, probably read the Bible cover to cover at least 75 or 100 times. And, and I'm amazed at how new it is every time I read it. This morning I'm reading, but not, not for the message, for me. I'm reading the Bible. And as I read the pages of scripture, the person of God becomes more and more crystal clear to me as I allow his living word to take first place in my life. And I want to just encourage you, this is This is my prayer for you. And I know everybody's got their little resolutions list and goals and all that stuff, but at the top of your list, I wanna just encourage you to do this. I wanna encourage you, whatever's up at number one, write this, write a new number one. (laughs) Spend time every day with God and his word, meet with him in prayer and his word. But more than that, more than just reading, allow the living word to bring life to every corner, every recess of your heart, every relationship, every decision, every path that you find yourself on, every part of your life allows the spirit of God to bring the manifest will of God, the person of Christ to full bear in your heart and life this year in 2020. How many of you want that? Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand. At the campuses, I'm going to ask the campus pastors to join me on the stage. Take a minute and uh, you can close your services there. Here at the Little Creek campus, I'm going to ask all of the prayer team workers to go ahead and make your way down to the front. We're here for you. If you're not sure about your relationship with Christ, if you're not sure, if you're not sure that you died today, that you'd spend eternity with God in heaven, I want you to start there because this Bible means nothing. It's just another book outside of the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. But if you're not sure about that, start there. If you need prayer for anything, we're here for you. Let me pray for you, Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that you didn't leave us here to try to figure it out on our own, but God, you gave us clear, specific instructions, an owner's manual, Lord, that's, a, that's like none, it's unequaled. And so t- this year in 2020, we wanna m- make it our resolve to not just read the Bible, but to let it read us, to submit, to surrender our lives to it as we would the person of Christ. We love you, Lord. We commit our hearts and lives to you. Bless your people as they go. Surround them with your favors with the shield and keep us in your peace until we come together again. In Jesus' name, amen.